What up, Coop? Zach, how we doing? Today's a big day. It's a big day. I mean, we're uh, we're making money moves, as they say. We really are. Some like something big happened with our podcast. I know. We've actually been celebrated. We're someone. We still need to sweep up the confetti. Right. From our little confetti it's, poppers. It's everywhere. Monica went and got us a bunch of confetti. Thank you, Monica. Thanks, Monica. Shout out, Monica. She's our uh, secretary, secretary, receptionist, ha- handles all our emails. She does it all. She does it all. She sweeps the floor she's if we need great. her. I mean, she's so faithful. She is so great. But we're celebrating something big because in podcast land, there's a thing called charts. And we just might be on them, Zach. We just might. And so there's charts like all over the globe and, and for different categories right. and like you can be in management, leadership, like business, comedy, cooking. Comedy. We're like, not, we're not in cooking. We are not in cooking. We're not in cooking or comedy. Well, we should be. I mean, I'm pretty funny. <laughs> we should not be comedy, <laughs> but we are in the management category yeah. of business. Mm-hmm. And I got an email the other day, a glorious, glorious email. It came. If, if emails could come packaged in golden envelopes, this one would have and just dropped down into our laps by a bald eagle. Just a bald eagle wearing a tuxedo. Wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> That's, that is unbelievable. That is where this email come from. And I open it and I was like, there's something special about this email. Just the click. It just was more satisfying than the usual email. It open. was. Yeah. And so I open it up and it says, congratulations. Aww. Your podcast has broken the charts. And we lost it. We went nuts. We didn't even finish reading the email oh, until a few finished. days later. And so then we come back and we're like, wait, what charts? Right. And it turns out, Coop. We are the number 15 business management podcast in the Philippines. In the Philippines. Come on. Thank you, listeners in the Philippines. So we just want to shout out all of our listeners in the Philippines. We don't know who you are. We don't. I personally don't know anyone from the Philippines. I, nor do I actually. Not even Um, one person. Not at all. But first of all, we want to say if you're living in the Philippines and you enjoy this podcast, please reach out. Yes, please reach because out. Y'all us. have been listening faithfully. Yes. To get us on the charts in, in the Philippines. And, and honestly, we think we can make it to the number one spot in the Philippines. <laughs> I would love to. if you are in the Philippines, please share this podcast with one of your friends. We're talking to you, our Leave Filipino audience. Send Leave us a an review email. because we want to make it to the top of the top chart. We want to make it to the top of the charts. We don't want to settle for number 15. 15 is not good enough in the Philippines. Not in the Philippines. We want to be number one. We want number one. We want business management podcast in the Philippines. Yes. We want to look back on our success. Maybe one day. And just say, we owe it all to the faithful followers in the Philippines. Come on. If you know someone in the Philippines, send them this podcast. Please. Even if you don't listen, (laughs) just like send it to them. Just send it to them because that's our goal. Our goal is now business management podcast in the Philippines. In the Philippines. And I think we can do it. I I do too, Zach. I think we can't do it alone. We can't do it without our Filipino audience. We can't do it. We can't do anything without our Filipino audience. uh, Monica, actually, her paychecks come directly from the Filipino audience. Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg, here with my co-host, Coop McCullough. Coop, here we are. Number 15. It's good to be here. Can't believe it. I just, you know how sometimes they sell those little buttons that say, it's my birthday? (laughs) Yeah. I just want to buy one that says, we're number 15 (laughs) in the Philippines. We should. We should. That could be a lucrative business for us. I think it might be. Zach, who do we got on the podcast today? We have Mrs. Elizabeth Lyons. Ooh. Met her on LinkedIn. Okay. We love LinkedIn. Sponsor. Not really, but please. We wish. She is a three times author and an executive career coach. She she does a lot of leadership development. A lot of uh, leadership develop for mm. so she does a lot of leadership development, especially for women, but also for executive placement. She's gotten to work a lot of jobs and learn a lot. Yeah. And she really in this episode wanted to talk 
to our audience, to the 20 year olds, to the to the young aspiring leaders. And the idea that the title of this episode is everything touches everything. Yeah. The idea that what you do matters, because I think this this just spirit of ambition is taken over our generation. As, as soon as we graduate college, we want the COO, the CEO, right. the executive role. But we don't want to be we don't want to sweep. Uh, we don't want to sweep the ground. Right. You know, we're not willing to do the the dirty work to get to where we want to go. Yeah, I think there's this pride that comes with being a millennial almost that you expect like things have been given to you in the past. And this isn't a millennial slam. I think it's just a reality that we live in. But there's there's this expectation of being given things early. And so we're not we've no longer um, live in this world. Where we appreciate the time and the effort and the journey, if you will, to get to the place where you can claim title of COO, CEO, things like that. I think right. we're too prideful in that. And I think, man, looking at the grand scheme of things, our twenties specifically should be devoted to learning and doing as many jobs as you can to, to really equip yourself with the toolbox that's worthy of being hireable and becoming coachable, asking yeah. great questions, wanting to learn because in your twenties and thirties is where you grow. And then whenever you are given that leadership opportunity is when you can then use everything that you've learned to be the best leader yeah. you can. And she, she wants to really talk to these people because it's like you are in this entry level job and your attitude about it matters. It does. If you have a bad attitude because it's going to spiral and the gears are going to be off kilter because yeah. what you do matters, no matter what role you're in, no matter what you're doing, Something you do plays a bigger picture part in the business you work for. And I think it's what a lot of our listeners need to hear. It's what I needed to hear. What you do matters. Yeah. So she's awesome. It was so much fun to talk to her. Here she is, Elizabeth Lyons. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being with us and and doing this, taking time. I want you to start by introducing yourself. How do you get to where you are today? What are you up to here in Dallas? That's such a big question, Zach. So my name is Elizabeth Lyons. I am a leadership coach. I coach women's leadership development. I coach job seeking for executives. Um, I also work full-time in corporate America, and then I have my coaching practice on the side. I've written three books. I'm thinking about writing the fourth this year. Um, And so that's a little bit about what I do. How did I get here? I mean, it would be like an endless, I wouldn't even know where to start. One thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another kind of thing. Well, we're, we're so excited to sit with you. I, I saw a video that you put out and you actually tagged me in on LinkedIn. And that's what we want to talk about today. It was just how everything touches everything, pretty much diving into what you do matters. Because as we were talking about before, a lot of my generation will, will graduate college and enter into a, a job, an entry level job where they don't feel like they're making a difference. Mm-hmm. But, but you want to flip that and just tell them that they are making a difference, that where you are now makes a difference. Oh, yeah, it totally makes a difference. You could be working retail right out out of college or in some job that is unrelated to your education and everything you do touches everything. So um, let's use that scenario. So let's say that you went to college, you can't find a job exactly in your field, and but you got to pay those student loans, right? right? So you take the position, you know, if you go in there every day with a good attitude, um, with an open mind and you're coachable, um, what you do matters. And that's what gets recognized as much as the skill set gets recognized it's not just that. And your, your accomplishments will grow. I, I think all of you are really excited to get to the manager and right. be the boss and whatever. And it must look very important to to all of you because it's not what you get there. I can tell you that, but it must look really important to you right now. But right. Uh, you must think as a generation, that's when you've made it, or that's when you can make a difference, but you can make a lot of difference, just being who you are, showing up with good attitude, showing up on time, 
I think the words I keep going back to is being coachable, being mm. open, being coachable. Yeah, that's huge. And in corporate America, what does it look like to be coachable it, practically? Because I think it's a term that we know. It's like, I need to be coachable. I grew up in sports, so I need to receive coaching. But to really be coachable, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So I had to learn it. That's a great question. So I actually had to learn that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I guess I use that statement. Um, as a woman, you may or may not get a lot of coaching. I've been very fortunate in that I've had some of the best male executives my whole career that coached me. And when I say coached me, they pulled me aside and would, and would give me feedback about my perception in a meeting. Um, I would ask a couple of them that I really knew, liked, and trusted, I would say, you know, I went to that meeting and I said this or that, how did that land? What do you mm -hmm. think? Or I'm having a real political problem here. How would you handle it? Mm -hmm. And I choose my mentors and my teachers very carefully. I have excellent discernment. I don't go to everybody. And if it's near and dear to my heart and a real conundrum, I'll only ask one or two, but I do ask the best of the best. And I think that's what's being coachable is asking, what is my perception? Right. Because we're all in our own box. We're all in our own movie. We're all walking around thinking whatever we see is real. And we think we know how people see us, hmm. but they may, especially in the office, they may not. Right. So you might think you're coming off as brilliant in a meeting and you may actually be leaving the perception that you're arrogant. Mm -hmm. You might be overly quiet in a meeting and not sharing critical information because you're an introvert. And it, it's worth knowing what is your perception. A lot of women don't get promoted, not because of their skill set, but because of the negative perception they left behind. Mm -hmm. A lot of women don't grow up in, in sports the way boys do. And so we, we are a little bit of a disadvantage there where you'll find boys grow to men and, and the, a lot of them played sports. And so they get it when they go in the office, they get team, mm -hmm. they get, make it, make it, make a difference. They get that. And they do get being coachable. Right. And I think in general, in corporate America to be successful, you need that. Totally. And in this video, you told a story about when you started working, when, yeah. when you were, would you mind sharing that yeah. uh, and how your job played into the bigger picture? Yeah. So I work in banking and financial. Um, and like I said, I have my coaching practice. So in banking and financial, my job is I hire people and I have a very cool job. I actually hire hackers. Hmm. So I hire all the cybersecurity experts, anybody from the guy or gal with eyes on glass that monitors traffic all the way up to people that are threatening, you know, threat hunt analysts and looking for malicious traffic coming into the system to the sea levels. So those are the people that I hire every day. It's very easy just to get in a transactional mode where you post the rec, you interview, you send the candidates, you go to hire and you totally. do it again and again and again. It's a process. It's like baking a cake over and over and over again. But what I realized one day very clearly was what I did had maximum impact and that if I hired the wrong person, they could literally take down our system. Mm -hmm. And that I worked in banking and financial and that it wasn't just a system. This was money. This wasn't just traffic floating across the screen. This was literally somebody went to CVS and purchased a prescription and that money transferred or it didn't. And I had thousands of people in this company that were responsible for making sure the transaction, whether it was $1.99 or thousands of dollars in a car payment or whatever it was, 
thousands of dollars in a house payment, car payments, all that. Yeah. They their job was to make sure that traffic went and went correctly, yeah. and that so much traffic was there that it could literally take down the world economy. Yeah, and so it wasn't just about processing the wreck and moving on. That I had a little fingerprint on all of it. Right to the point of the money got transferred right. because I helped hire the person that reported to somebody that helped that transaction happen. And there was this beautiful exchange going on. There was somebody someplace buying something or paying a bill. Mm. And there was somebody on our end that made sure the money got from point A to point B and that it was really, really, really big. Right. And that what I did mattered. And to slow down and to treat it with reverence and respect, even even pulling back a little bit from that, the person that I interview or hire, that is not a job to them. That could be their next house they buy. Mm -hmm. It could be the the second child that they can afford to bring into the world. It could be, uh, it's their life. It's not their resume. It's their life. And that to treat that with with respect. Yeah. That's so good. And I think that's where we want to hone in on is that fingerprint that you left on a bigger picture rather than just the transactional part that you Mm -hmm. think you're affecting there. So how did you get to that point of thinking? Because I think that's a a problem that a lot of college students have. Once they leave, they enter into the entry level job. They don't feel like they're making a difference. They don't see the fingerprint. How did your mind shift to seeing the bigger picture? I think um, I spend a lot of time personally reflecting on my actions and reflecting on my thoughts. And I, I, I naturally see a big picture. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the funny way. The way my brain is, I see the totality of something first, whether it's a picture on the wall or someone's life or I just, it's just the way my brain works. I see the totality and I work my way backwards. Right. And then I can, I can also choose another path to go into or what have you. So some of it's just me, but it, the stuff that you do does matter. I mean, even the simple things in your behavior, if you're posting something online, you know, is that kind, is it relevant? Is it helpful? Are you just posting some, but something and take, you know, to hurt somebody and it's going to hurt somebody. Um, just the everyday actions that we do online, offline with people, with colleagues, with our family, driving to get gas and put it in the car. You know, what are we, what are we doing? That's so good. And and flipping that to the leader's perspective too, Mm -hmm. if I'm leading an organization, leading a team, and then I have people on my team who are just kind of there and they're thinking they don't have purpose, how do you switch that for them? Yeah, I did lead a team. And I remember when I, when I walked in and the irony was, is I led a team of all men. That was Mm. kind of the irony of it. So, um, for those of you who have seen me, I stand about five feet tall, about, right. you know, buck 10. So it was, you know, here I am. Okay, I'm going to go, you know, be important and go be a leader and tell people what to do. And it's kind of, it's kind of hilarious actually, right. but, and they're all men. And I remember I didn't, I wasn't in the, my own department probably more than a month. And I was like, that's it. We're going to have weekly meetings. And the weekly meetings that I ran, um, we talked about that because these were guys that had done the job 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. They were really good, but they're a little bit lax and a little bit lazy. And I literally had that conversation with them about everything you do touches everything. And let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. So we did a whole staff meeting on that. The other staff meeting we did that I distinctly remember was I asked them what they thought their perception was in the, in the company. And I broke it all down. How do you think the people in HR see you? How do you think the owner sees you? How do you think accounting sees you? How do you think I see you? How do you think your peers see you? And it it forces the mind to broaden. Right. And it's a great exercise for anybody. How how does the world see me? And where am I at? And and what am I doing? 
And then that second question, why am I really doing what I'm doing? Right. And I think it's a great way to to lead yourself is to think about what it's like to be on the other side of you, Mm -hmm. the way that other people perceive you. And I want to go back to something you said earlier is really peeling back someone just past the face value of them and seeing the story. Mm -hmm. Because you're not just hiring them. It's not just a resume. They have a story. It's their mortgage. It's their it's their children. It's it's their family. So what was it like for you to switch your mindset there as well to not just seeing them as a person or as another just person, like another gear in the system, but to see them as a human, as a person? I think if you look at the best leaders, um, and everybody's got their opinion of who the best leaders are, the top three leaders, right? right. They all have amazing heart, but they have good head too. They have very good brains. They have very good logic. They're very analytical. They have both, but typically they lead heart. They want to know who their people are. Mm. Um, How was your weekend? How are your kids? How's your family? How are you feeling? You know, but then there's a fine line because your people can manipulate you. Mm. So you, especially as a woman leader, I will tell you, so it's a fine line. You're constantly trying to figure out Again, how you're perceived as the leader. Right. Um, I don't know. I I always tried to see people as people, so and not as tools. Right. And I think the best leaders, that's what they're trying to do. And if you're a really good leader, you're trying to pull the best talent out of those people. Yeah. So it, it, let's say you know you're a twenty-something. Hopefully, you have a good boss. Even if you're in a retail job, and your boss can get you to you know put the best display together to be the best cashier to be the, you know, if you're an intern somewhere and you're like, Oh my gosh, I went to school on this internship. It's horrible. What are you kidding me? I'm going to do this for a living. This is awful. Um, I think even, even in the business interns, even, you know, if you're not excited about it, I think it's about if you've got a good leader, they're able to really tap on your talent and pull that out and help you to, to find your strengths and your limitations. Your, your kind of job, if, if you're up to the task at a 20 something is to figure out what you're really good at and what you're not good at and work a little bit towards the stuff you're not good at. And right. you might improve a little bit and you might not, but to really learn what's your nature in your twenties, like what is your nature? What are you naturally good at? Eventually right. you can try to round that stuff out. And, and if you're really lucky, it provides an income. Yeah. If you're really lucky, then you're totally aligned and you love what you do. And I've never worked a day in my life. Every day I get up, I go do what I do. I do it unpaid. That's a terrible thing to say. I probably shouldn't say it, but um, I love what I do that much. Wow. That it, I'm never tired. I'm never you know out of patience with it. I've done it 18 years now. I can't even believe I've done it 18 years. Um, I'd, I, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right field. And I get paid very well for it. And then I get to coach to it. I get to work with some of the top executives that I admire. I can't even believe they would come to me for counsel because I admire them so much. And, you know, it's just an amazing, it's amazing thing what I do. I just love what I do. That's so fun. And I think a lot of leaders mess up the idea of delegation, of delegating things and getting things done. And and so there's like this idea of delegating responsibility, delegating authority, and then delegating tasks. Mm -hmm. So what is your balance? How do you delegate well to make sure you're delegating things, you get stuff done, you get the tasks done, but you do it in a way that people feel like they have responsibility, authority, and purpose in what they're doing? Yeah. When I was a leader, I worked at that exact thing. And my biggest worry around that was that if I had a special assignment and I gave it to my A player or to somebody that I knew was very good at that, that the others on the team 
would feel less than or that they would move into competition with each other. And I actually learned that that wouldn't happen. And the way that I that I would propose it is I would do it in a group setting and I would say, Jim, you're really good at this. So why don't you take this piece on? Mm-hmm. And the others knew in the group that he was good at that. Right. And so it, it kind of worked out. It's like a, it's like a football team or any sports team. You, you have designated roles, but then you have that X factor of what you're really good at. Maybe it's speed, maybe it's agility, right? right. I was good at kind of identifying that and then giving that to him. And that's how I kind of broke it out. I looked, I looked for talent um, I was always open if somebody came to me and said, Hey, I want to learn this. Mm-hmm. I would totally say that as a 20 something, if mm. you want to learn something in that job, tell them, don't wow. sit around waiting for it to be given to you. Say, Hey, I know I, you know, I'm doing this in the office. I'd really love to learn more about this. Cause I've been doing this in school. I'm reading these books or I'm, I've been taking these classes online or I saw a few YouTube videos, right. S- you know, stand up, raise your hand. I mean, leaders love that in your generation. I love that. Yeah. I think uh, leaders love curiosity. And so like if you are 20 something and you're moving into an entry level job, you're working for a company and you are curious and you're asking great questions. I think that is just going to, to, I mean, put you in good standing with those you're working for because they, they're interested in that. Well, we feed off of that, that kind of excitement that you guys display, we get re-energized. I, I do. I like to learn, you know, I get uh, young women usually at work and they'll say, you know, sit with Elizabeth, learn from her. She's, she's one of the best, but I always tell them like, Hey, it's, I'm here to mentor you and get you from point A to point B, but I'm really interested. How did you do that? Cause right. technology wise, maybe they went to a certain place and looked where I would never think to look. Right. And so I find it can be quite the symbiotic relationship that if we are open in our minds that we could actually learn quite a bit, it's, it, it could be a beautiful thing yeah. rather than a fight. Yeah, it's a two-way street because I mean, there's the generation before us, the the wisdom of the the, the gray hairs, if you will, yeah. the wisdom of the older people uh, that we need to hear because we're we're ignorant to what we don't know, you know, and we just we don't know what we don't know. Yeah, and but there's also a lot of wisdom in the the technology, and so what is the balance of the two-way street there of listening, asking great questions, but also inputting when it's your time? Mm-hmm. I think it's just having that open mind, and I think. I would hope you would, your generation would never be rejected if you're showing interest and you're asking questions and you're, right. you know, you might, the only thing I would say is you might have to have discernment, yeah. like, because maybe if somebody's closed off or they reject you, you probably don't go there again, but have discernment about who you ask and who you learn from, right. I would say. Um, but I would, I would hate to think that, you know, a good approach and an inquisitive mind would be rejected in the workplace, especially in corporate America, because we need that. Not just, I would say this too, in the way that you think and solve a problem, the patterns that you use is different than mine. Right. That's why when I mentor somebody, I want to, I want to go, how did you do that? Like, here's the task. Here's how I would do it. Don't do it the way I did it. I don't care how you do it. Here's where you're going. Right. I, I, you're going from A to B, get to B. This is the process. Don't break the process because there's laws with what we do, but go do it. Right. And then when they come back, I'm always like, how did you do that? You know, I'm really interested in being open and learning. Yeah, that's so good. And I think that's where a lot of leaders miss it as well. They miss it with the delegation, but they also miss it with the micromanaging piece of, I'm going to tell you, you, you need to do this, the what to do, why you need to do it. But I'm also going to tell you how to do it rather than this is what you need to do. This is why you need to do it. 
but I want you to figure out how to do it because I want your curiosity. I want your innovation. So how do leaders do that? Well, of saying like, I'm going to give you what to do, why to do it, but also I'm going to empower you with the how. What does that look like? I think, you know, I want to go back to something you said. It's very powerful. Why? I think mm-hmm. the best leaders will tell you why you're doing what you're doing. And what I found with my team, if you know why you're doing it, now you do have pride in it. Whether it's stocking a shelf or sitting in an Excel spreadsheet as an intern, right. if you understand why and how that task impacts something bigger, mm. all of a sudden you feel you do feel like it's important. Right. So if you can't make the parallels in your mind about why you're doing is important and you can't come up with that kind of inspiration, mm. hopefully the leader can give you that. Or, you know, it might not even be a bad thing to ask gently, why, why are we doing this? Yeah. I mean, this, so I, so I stock this shelf. Where does this go? Why is this important? Is it, if it's said in the right tone, it would be received and explained. Most leaders are just do it, right? Most leaders just do it. Just do it. And don't ask me any questions. But the why you're on is something. The best leaders, the most inspirational leaders figure out how to tap on the talent and how to ignite that spark. And that experience. And spark is it's intrinsic. It's in people. You yeah. have to figure out how to how to light that and bring that forth. Right. And the why I think is so big, mm-hmm. especially for this topic today. If if I don't know why I'm doing what I do, there's no way for me to believe that everything touches everything and that what I'm doing matters. Yeah. I think the why is huge. And so what would you say to the 20 something who's in a job? where they don't know the why, they don't uh, feel like everything touches everything, they don't feel like they do what they do matters, what are you going to tell that person to, hey, do the little things well, mm-hmm. I'm going to find purpose in the little things at work. What is your advice to that person? I would, I would say those two things, and I would say maybe ask, ask the boss why, tell, teach me the bigger picture. Right. That might be the best approach. Teach me the bigger picture. We're all here doing this thing. I can read on the website what the company does, but- What's the bigger picture? Right. And and how show me an org chart. Speak in their language. Show me an org chart. Show me how our department fits into all the way up to the president and CEO. Mm. Those are those are good questions. They're business questions. They're corporate questions. It's better than just tossing out why. I think that's a good approach. And I think you'll see it. And they could literally, you know, scribble that out and map it. What does that look like? And then you start to go, Oh, so I do this and this, then your mind will start going, Oh, I do this. It impacts that. Yes. It impacts that. Yeah. And I want to ask you the why, why do you think our generation doesn't feel like the little roles matter? What, what is holding us back from believing that what I do matters in my entry level job now? Yeah. I, you know, I don't hire a whole lot of interns, but I have in the last two or three years and the consistent feedback I get is, is, uh, well, I just want to be manager. Right. You know, I just want to, you know, I, I, and it's, it amazes me how they will apply to positions that are very senior and, and they've, just graduated or they haven't even graduated. They think they're, so the perception is they're entitled. The perception is, oh, you think you're owed this. Right. And we all had to take the steps on the ladder to get there. So I would say there should be, you know, patience with that. And I think the bigger thing too is I don't, in fairness, Zach, I don't know that anybody ever explained career pathing to, to your generation. Right. In fairness, why wouldn't you think it it wouldn't it would be possible? Like I've worked hard, I've been through college, I've done the masters. Okay, so now I get to do this. Right. 
I think there's also a perception in your generation that once you have the manager title, you've quotation made it. Mm. That there must, in your generation's eyes, there must be some prestige in being the project manager or the CEO or you know whatever it is. Right. Yeah, and and that is huge. I think you hit a big topic word there was entitlement because I think a lot of our generation graduates college and they say, I have the degree. Now I've been told that I'm a leader. I've been told I'm a manager. Now I'm going to go, I'm going to get the position, but I don't know how to lead people. Right. So how do we fight that entitlement? Because I think that is huge. I think, I think you fight an entitlement when you slow down and say, okay, you rejected me from the job, but how do I get there? Hmm. That's the career question. Okay. So you rejected me. All right. So you're telling me I'm not a manager. Show me. How do you, how did you do it? I think that's the Boy, what a great approach that would be. And then it stops the other side from being angry and pointing the finger. Right. And and you guys go, okay, well, you you put me in check. Right. Show me. And I think that's how, you know, again, now you're gonna get collaboration and working together and not a big mismatch in style. Right. And we had someone on a few weeks ago, Jeremy Kubitschek, and he said it in your 20s, it's not always about what you do, but about who you work for. Mm-hmm. And, and it's what you do is very important. But right now in this phase of life, it is so important for you to find a mentor, find someone to pour into you, to learn. Because college will teach you a lot, but it doesn't teach you everything. And I, I've read a book, it's called uh, The Heart of the Shepherd. And it's talking about this guy he graduates college, he gets hired as a manager, but he goes to his professor and say, hey, I know how to do this job, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to lead people. Right. And so he's like, hey, well, let me teach you. Let me teach you. I need to, you need to know how to lead people because I think that's where a lot of people miss it. We have the, the, uh, the mindset to be able to get the job done, to do the task, but we don't know how to get to the people. So what would you say to the 20-something to, to lead people? Yeah. So there's a great book called Situational Leadership. It's a short book. I would highly recommend that to anyone. I recommend it to very seasoned leaders. It's a great way to learn how to lead people by the situation. And you're you're literally trying to understand, um, are they able to do the job, but they're unwilling? You know, Do I need to motivate them? Do I need to train them? Am I at the place where I just need to fire them because they're just not going to do it? Right. And, you're, and there's, you know, three or four paths to that. And so what you do is you're observing their behavior and you're figuring out where they are in the quadrant. Then you're backing up and you're changing your leadership style to where they're at to move them forward in that direction to get, you know, good work and good motivation and talent out of them. So that would be one book I would totally recommend to your generation, but not just your generation, but you know, your the question was how do you lead people? You could be a very seasoned leader and not be a good leader of people. There's right. a lot of people more than not that have the title of manager, director, vice president and they're not good leaders. Right. Uh, most aren't. Um, and I think, again, it takes it takes the heart and the logic, and yeah. it's the balance of. When you think about really amazing leaders, they have to have both. Yeah. And I, I don't want people to hear, if you're listening to this, that if you're in your 20s, don't dream big. Don't mm-hmm. go for it. Don't do it. That is not what we're saying. No. Surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you to go for it. Because just like we've been saying, you don't know what you don't know. Well, and I will tell you, uh, I emulated men. Like I would pick a couple of really good, strong leaders. Frankly, there wasn't any women leaders. Um, And and way back in my 20s, I actually worked in construction. Who else was I going to emulate but but a strong male? So, and, you know, and then I was in IT and recruiting and um, then I went off and I, you know, a lot of years later, once I grew my career, um, I placed CFOs again, 99.9% men, you know, I'm in, I'm in banking and financial, 
mostly male dominated. I do really well there. A lot of it is my personality and because I am so unbelievably logical. So I I could do that, but you're going to find a mentor, find someone that you think is good and that the general consensus is they're a good leader and watch how they do it. You'll never become them, but there are certain things that you can emulate with them. And it's worth, it's worth figuring out how they do it. I I remember even a few years ago, there was a vice president that was really good and he never, you know, that expression, never let him see you sweat. He never, he had a very intense job and he was never angry or irritated with people. He always was heart first and try and listened to understood, listened to understand. He was always really good at that. Um, he had a tremendous amount of responsibility. I couldn't figure out why he was always so happy and so consistent. And so one day I got really bold and I self-invited myself right into a staff meeting. Yeah. And my purpose, my secret purpose was to watch him. And I did for a year and a half. Mm. I watched him lead all of his directors and managers. There's 10 around a conference table once a week. And I would, I provided some value, but I was really trying to watch him to, to figure him out, to crack the code. And over time I did begin to emulate him and I did learn his philosophy about life and about leadership. And I did, um, ironically, amazingly, when he left the company years later, I ended up in his corner office And there was a sticker hidden, like almost like out of a fortune cookie. It was like a sticker like that. And there was a quote about leadership and adversary, adversity and how to overcome it. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is like the best of the best of the best. And he's still reading leadership books right. and he's still posting little positive things hidden away in some section of the office. Yeah. It told me everything about him as a leader. That's so good. And you never stop learning. You never stop being curious. You never stop asking for help. No. Uh, wanting to learn. I think that is huge. No. And you can, you can, if you find one that you really like and that you want to be like, if you are so lucky, invite yourself into that tribe, right. be bold. Yeah. I, I had no business being in that meeting and he yeah. was gracious. And I said, I walked in his office and says, you have a Tuesday morning staff. And he goes, that's right. And I said, uh, I, w- I want to go to that. And I can provide some some data and some statistics around hiring. And this. And he goes, sure, you can, absolutely. Yeah. And I was very surprised. He didn't question why I wanted to be there more. But truly, my he didn't know. My sole purpose was to, how does he do it? Watch yeah, him. That's so and how ha- and, and knowing how. I just fell short of being as good as he was, but, but that, you know, willingness of a student. Yeah. That's so good. And as we land the plane, I wanted to just give you the mic and just say, Hey, what would you tell? Well, one, your 20 year old self, but what does this generation need to hear? What is the 20 something right now? Along with this topic, just anything in life, what do they need to hear? Well, I guess I would sum it up like this. Being coachable is very important mm-hmm. and ask for the coaching Having a great attitude, no matter how big or how small you think your job is, is really important. People with good attitudes get noticed and they get promoted, even without the skill. They get promoted due to aptitude at your age. Um, Intention. What is your intention when you go into work? Do you have a a good intention to be a good steward of the company? uh, Or is your intention just to get the money and pay the student loan and move up? Are you power hungry. I mean, what, what's your intention, your pure heart intention. And then I would say patience because your whole life is nothing but moment to moment to moment. Mm. And all the moments, 
you know, stuck up into the now. Right. And the now is the only place that you can serve and the now is the only place you can live. That's so good. I think a huge point you just hit there was what's your intention? What is your intention yeah. of being where you are right now? That's so good. Elizabeth, thank you so much for thank your time you. and being with us. Yep. Thank you. Thank you.